Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 7 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number 7. And we're going to uh, get right into, back into our study in the book of 1 Samuel, understanding that God is a very personal God. And uh, it's been a helpful series. I hope it's been a help to you. I know it's been a help to me as we've gone through this series and definitely something that uh, has every time we, as we've been studying, I've been encouraged and been helped through the messages, uh, but then really been helped through the study time and really challenged through this. And as we go through, of course, the, uh, the passage and understanding who Samuel is and Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. So we're going to get more about that in just a moment. But before we get there, I just want to ask you if you have ever had a time in your life uh, when you've been offered help with something but you figured that you could do it on your own. And then a few moments later, or maybe a day later, or a little bit later, you realized, I really did need help with that. I could have used help because in the end, maybe it didn't end up like you expected it to end up. Of course, we've definitely all been there. I can think of one story in particular that I have permission to tell, all right? So those of you that think I might get in trouble, I won't. except I might add some things to this story. So uh, it's about my sister Dawn. Uh, when she was about 15 or 16 and she was getting her driver's license and of course had her permit. And there was one day, and I might've told the story before, I don't remember, but there was one day when my sister was uh, going out for a, a little test drive with her car with my mom and she was learning how to drive a, a stick shift. She was learning how to drive that and as she was learning that, she was driving right in front of the school, her high school. She was a sophomore or maybe a junior in high school and, and as she's driving in front of the high school, it was right at three o'clock, right when school's gonna get out and as Dawn is driving down the road, she stops at a stoplight and she stalls the car. And the car dies, and of course, she as this 15 or 16-year-old is just kind of going frantic and knowing that all of her friends are going to get out of school any moment. And my mom is there, and my mom's telling her, well, Dawn, just put the clutch in and and turn the key. It'll start back up. Calm down. And Dawn's just resisting my mom's help. No, I can, ah, ah," just going crazy until she finally just hunkers down into the floorboard of the car. She doesn't say anything. She just shrinks down into the floorboard of the car. And so now my mom's sitting in the passenger seat and it looks like no one's driving. And my my mom's going, Dawn, just get up and put put the uh, clutch in and you'll be fine. Just start the car. And Dawn was not listening, did not want help at all until finally after a few minutes of this, sitting at a stoplight, of course, cars are going by, honking, everything's taking place. Don just hits a point, mom, you have to drive. You have to drive. She, I'm not in the driver's seat. I can't drive. Until finally, my mom ends up getting out of the car, walking around while Don climbs over the, the center console, ducking down so no one will see her the entire time. And she stays in the floorboard of the car until they got a few blocks away from the high school because she was so embarrassed. And I talked to my sister about this just the other day, and I asked her, I said, do you regret not accepting mom's help during that time. 
And she said, well, yeah, I do now, but at the time, I didn't want any help. I just wanted to get out of the, of the neighborhood, wanted to get away from the school. You know what? No doubt every one of us has been to a place where we've been offered help, but we have the mindset of, I don't need it. I've got this. I don't need help. Well, as we come into our time of the Word of God this morning, we're going to see this taking place in Scripture. We're going to see some folks rejecting help and really rejecting leadership. And ultimately, we're going to find that they regret their decision. The, the people we're going to talk about this morning are, again, back in 1 Samuel chapter number 7. It's the, the people of Israel. These would be called, in many places, the people of God. If you know the story, you remember that God had chosen the Israelites to move them to a new place, of course, through uh, Abraham and Isaac and all of the, the stories that we read in the book of Genesis. And so they had moved to this new place called the promised land. But the children of Israel, if you'll remember, their relationship with, with God was a, a, a very fluctuating relationship, very up and down. And as we come to the time of 1 Samuel, we're actually coming into the end of the time of the judges. If you read the book of Judges, you would read about different judges that God brought into the children of Israel's life to help kind of guide them and direct them back to the Lord and point them to the truths of God because they were so wishy-washy and so up and down. God would bring certain people to help lead them and direct them in the way they should go. And I just want to pause for a moment and say, aren't you thankful for the people that God brings into our lives that kind of just help direct us. Maybe it's a parent or a friend or a teacher or, or maybe a pastor or a missionary that God will bring kind of to, to direct our lives back towards the Lord. Well, that's what the book of Judges was about. Well, when you come to the book of Samuel, we find that Samuel would be the last of the judges. He was a prophet and he would be a priest to the people and a judge to the people. However, the people of God, <clears throat> we need to remember that the, the truth that what I said a second ago, their relationship was very unstable. It was a very turbulent relationship. They were very wishy-washy in following the Lord and not following the Lord. And because of this, God would bring those judges and Samuel would be the last one. And what we're going to discover this morning is the children of Israel making a decision in actually rejecting Samuel and his sons and demanding a king. But what we're going to see today is the fact that they weren't just rejecting Samuel. They were actually rejecting the leadership of God. You see, they were coming once again to a place where they said, God, we know what you want, but we don't care. I don't need help. I've got this. And we're going to also see the result of them refusing or rejecting that leadership. And then Hopefully today we're going to be challenged to not make the same mistake. 1 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse number 15, we read these words. 1 Samuel 7, verse 15, all the way down through chapter 8 and verse number 7. It says, And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. So now Samuel is the one. He's traveling all over and he's providing judgment and leadership for the people of Israel. It says this, And his return was to Ramah, for there was, uh, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. And it came to pass... And when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. 
They were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after filthy lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Definitely a sad portion in Israel's history. And again, what we're going to see today is the children of Israel refusing that help, refusing, rejecting that leadership that's offered by God. And we're going to see the results that it brought into their life. And I think that we're going to discover that really this connects with you and I more than we probably think it does. And I hope that the challenge today will be, God, help me not to make the mistake of rejecting your leadership. Let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to bless our time with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Just would you pray and give God permission to speak to you? You pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. Dear God, please speak to me. And then would you just make a commitment? God, if you speak to me today, I'm listening to you. I'll respond to you. I'll make a decision based upon how you speak to my heart. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the word of God. We pray that you would help us. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us. We give you permission to, to work in our lives. Wherever we are this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd help those who are in their home, those who may be in their car, those who may be uh, with friends. I don't know where anyone is today, Lord. We pray that you just help every single one of us to hear from you and to allow you to speak to our hearts. And then, God, help us to make a decision based upon how you speak to us. And, Lord, again, I pray that if there's someone watching that does not know you as their personal Savior, I pray that you'd help them today to come to know you as their Savior. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to our passage today and all that's taking place, I want us to first of all notice the rejection. I want you to notice, if you would, the rejection. When you go to this passage and talking about rejection, I see rejection taking place in two instances. There's two places where we see rejection taking place. The first, I want us to notice the rejection from the sons of Samuel toward their father. As we begin reading here, we discover that Samuel, he's getting older. That's what we just saw as Samuel was aging, that he, he went ahead and he set up his sons in leadership. He set up his sons as judges. And he's wanting to lead the people. He's wanting to help them. And so he sets up his sons to be judges. Notice what it says. It says, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Joel and Abiah, he sets them up to be judges. The wording would lead us here to believe that his sons, at this point, when he sets them up into judge, to being judges, they were following Samuel. They were following his leadership. They were following the Lord. Uh, I don't believe Samuel would set them up had they been away from God because of Samuel's relationship with the Lord. And so we see Samuel setting up his sons, but I want you to notice what it says. It says his sons walked not in his ways. It means after they got in leadership, 
They made a choice. We don't want to lead like dad led. But what did they do? They turned aside. So they were going down the good. They were following their father's leadership. They were following the Lord. But they hit a point where they said, we don't want to lead like dad. We don't want to lead like the Lord wants. We're going to turn aside. And they go a different direction. After being set up in authority, they turned away from God. They turned away from their leader, the father's leadership. It says that they took bribes and they turned toward covetousness and they began uh, to twist judgment. They perverted judgment and they led based upon their own prerogative and their own agenda. They were very selfish and turned uh, completely away from the direction that their dad had instilled in them. And this isn't like the sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. They were just bad from the get-go, and Eli was kind of a leader that missed that. But that wasn't the same situation with Joel and Abiah. No, Joel and Abiah, they were walking with the Lord. Joel and Abiah, they were walking in the ways of their father, but now they get put up in leadership and they turn aside. It would seem that they were following the Lord. They were following Samuel, but as they became adults, they rejected that leadership. No doubt, if you're watching today, you've maybe known somebody like that. Somebody who they grew up knowing the direction to go. Somebody who they maybe grew up in a a home of a Christian. And they grew up knowing the choices that God would have them to make. But when they became an adult, they turned aside. When they got that responsibility, they chose their own way. Somebody who maybe was brought up to know the Lord and his leading and his direction, but they just turned from him. Well, that's where Samuel's sons are. It's not surprising then that we would see the second part of rejection that I see is with the people. Notice verse number four. It says, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah and said unto him, behold, thou art old, And thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. What do we see? We see that the people, they saw the leadership of the sons of Samuel, of Joel and Abiah. And they used it as an opportunity to make a selfish decision themselves. They request a king. Now, at face value, we might look at that and say, that's not really a bad thing. To request a king, maybe they were just wanting that leadership. But the truth is that this was a very big deal. Why is it a big deal? Notice what God said in verse number seven. And the Lord said unto Samuel, listen, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. Hey, Samuel, just listen to them. Well, why, God, for or because they've not rejected you, they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them, that I should not have the leadership in their life. You see, they were not rejecting Samuel. They weren't rejecting Samuel's sons. They were rejecting the Lord, and God knew it. God His desire was to lead them, but their desire was to be like all the other nations. 
You see, they saw the other nations and what they had, and they almost had uh, that, that kind of stirred in them, that spirit of the grass is greener on the other side. You know, where you kind of look at somebody else's situation and think, well, I want to be like them or where they at. You don't see the hardships. You don't see the struggles. You don't see the trials. You just see the positive, what you want to see. And here they are looking at maybe a few of the positives of somebody having a king, not realizing that the Lord was establishing himself or had established himself as their king. He was saying, I want to lead you. I want to reign over you. Not in some dictatorship, not in some thing where God would be a puppet master. No, God wanted that relationship that they would follow him and he would lead them into the life that he desired, a life of blessing and a life of health and a life of peace and a life of goodness. Yes, there would still be trials, but God wanted to be that one leading them in those trials and through those trials. And yet the people here, we find them rejecting that. No, they want they want the, the pomp that comes with a king. They, they uh, could they figured they could handle things on their own by establishing leadership and, and making the leader that they want. You see a lowly judge, someone who answered to God, that wasn't like all the kings of the lands. That wasn't somebody who was mighty leading his people in battle. That wasn't somebody who had slaves and servants and riches. That, they looked at the whole thing and they had this misconception that what the other nations have is better than what we have. As Samuel grew older, they failed to trust that the Lord would continue to lead them. And so they take matters in their own hand and they come up with a plan B. You know, there's a lot of people who come up with plan B, isn't it? You know, well, if, if this whole God thing doesn't work out, then I'm gonna go with plan B. I was studying this week and I didn't put it in my notes, but it's just on my mind right now. I'm thankful for the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had no plan B. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace for worshiping God instead of bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And they said to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, it's a misunderstanding. You guys go ahead and bow. And they said, no, no, no. No, king, that we will not bow. Our God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, we still won't bow. There was no plan B. We put God first, and it stops right there. Well, the children of Israel, they were coming up with plan B. We don't want to worship God. We don't want to follow God. We don't want his leadership. And what a sad place to be, a place where God, he's leading and he's working. I mean, the children of Israel's life, you go back to the story of Judges. I think about our our kids, uh, Clubhouse kids right now, they're going through the book of Judges and studying that. We went through that series last year, Relentless, Understanding God Pursuing Us. Man, you look at the book of Judges. It's miracle after miracle after miracle and story after story and victory after victory of God showing up and doing something mighty and the people standing in awe of who God was. That's the time period that we're coming through. And yet we find them rejecting that relationship. They're now at a place where while they're walking with God through trials and God's helping them overcome, they now want things their own way. No doubt we've seen this take place in someone's life. We stated it a second ago, someone who's following the Lord, seeing God work in their life, and while they have trials and challenges, like everyone, they're still seeing God walk with them through situations. But then all of a sudden, they walk away from the Lord. They reject his direction. They reject his plan, and they begin making choices that hurt themselves and that hurt those around them. And while that is a very extremely sad place to be, we have all probably been there ourselves. 
Oh, maybe nothing huge of, well, I know what God wanted. I'm going to turn completely away from God. No, we've all been there in the sense of we know how maybe God would have us respond to a situation or the decision that God would want us to make with a family member or a job or maybe uh, what God would want us to watch or not to watch or what, where God would want us to go or not to go. We have all these little things that we know God would have us to do, and yet there are times in our life that we reject that leadership, don't we? Times when we resist that. We all have times when we refuse to allow the Lord to lead us just like the children of Israel did. A time when we know what the Lord would have us to do, what he would have us to say, how he would have us to respond, but we reject that leadership. Let me just say this morning that that's not God's plan for us. Can I tell you today that God's desire, his desire for my life and for your life, for every single person, God's desire is to lead us every day. He wants to direct us. Again, not because he's a puppet master, but because he wants to direct us into a closer relationship with him and he wants to lead us into a life that's blessed by him. You see, God loves you and I and he desires the best for us as his children. And as a loving parent would want to help their their own child with their steps and their decisions in, in an even greater way. God wants to help you and I with every decision that we make. I think of John 8, 12, where it says this, then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Man, Jesus is simply pointing out the truth. Hey, when you follow me, when you come after me, I'm going to direct your steps. Man, that's something, I, I don't know about you, but that's something I want. And yet there are times that I fail to allow his leadership in my life. I reject it. I see this morning the rejection, but I want you to notice secondly with me the rebuke. There's a little correction that comes. The children of Israel, they've made their decision, but God through Samuel rebukes them. He corrects them. He tries to encourage them. Hey, this isn't the right choice to make. Notice notice if you would the rebuke, verse number eight, or verse number nine. Let's go there, 1 Samuel 8, 9. It says this, now therefore, the Lord speaking to Samuel, hearken unto their voice, how be it yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. God tells Samuel, all right, Samuel, listen, they're rejecting me, not you. Don't take it personally, Samuel. They're rejecting my leadership. But Samuel, listen to them. Go ahead and, and we'll, we'll get them a king. But Samuel, you need to rebuke them. Samuel, you need to correct them. Samuel, you need to let them know that this is not going to end well. And so Samuel begins to proceed and warn them of the deep consequences that are gonna happen to happen because of a choice of this magnitude. If you were to go, and we won't take time to do this, you can do it on your own time, but here's what Samuel tells them it's going to cost them. Verse number 11, he says it's going to cost your sons in service. Verse number 12, it's going to cost your lives in war and in servitude for a man's cause, for a king's cause. Verse 13, it's going to cost you your daughters. They'll have to go serve the king. Verse number 14, it's going to cost you your fields and your possessions because the king's going to want to expand his territory. Verse number 15, it's going to cost you your harvest and your finances. There's going to be 
taxes. There's going to be a life of having to bring all of that collection to the king. Verse number 16, it's going to cost you your best servants. They're going to be taken to serve the king's purposes, not you. Verse 17, going to cost you your livestock. Verse number 18, it's going to provide such a tremendous or cost such a tremendous price and discouragement that in the end, you're going to weep and you're going to call out to the Lord because of your decision. But God's not going to hear you because you are the one that are turning from him. And when you read that, and again, I would encourage you, go, go through and read verse 10 down through verse number 17 or 18 and do it on your own time this afternoon maybe. But I read that and I'm like, wow, what a place to be. So you're saying if we choose a king, it's going to cost us a fortune of lives, of money, of possessions, of our land, of our crops. And in the end, we're just going to weep to you and, and we're going to uh, weep because we know that we have turned from you. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like an absolutely horrendous outcome because of one decision. But notice what the people say. They hear all this. Notice their response. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. You know what their response was? We don't care. <laughs> Hey, this is going to cost you greatly. Hey, this is going to lead you somewhere you do not want to go. Hey, we don't care. Give us what we want. We know what's best. We don't need help. They missed it. They missed the cost. They still thought that it was going to be the best uh, uh, direction for their own lives to choose for themselves. They even missed the warning. Samuel says the king is going to serve his own agenda and it's going to cost you. And do you read what the people say in verse number 20? At the end of it, look at the end of that verse. We want a king that our king may judge us and go out before us. And notice the last phrase, and fight our battles. They just, they missed it. Samuel had said he's going to serve himself. And they're like, no, we want a king that's going to serve us and fight our battles. And they had forgotten. They had missed that the Lord had been fighting their battles. You go and you research a little bit of their history, you'll find like Gideon. I think that's a story the kids are going to hear today in Clubhouse Kids. The story of Gideon and his 300 men that overthrew uh, over 100,000. That wasn't because Gideon was some mighty warrior. No, he was a, a lowly farmer threshing on the backside of the, of the barn because he didn't want to be seen. And yet God showed up and used this man to do something great. The children of Israel, they forgot about that. They forgot about the many blessings that the Lord had brought in their lives, the number of enemies that God had defeated, and they selfishly determined that they wanted to change leadership no longer than they desired the leadership of the Lord. And they completely disregard the rebuke. What a sad place to be, the place of forgetting all that God has done and deciding to forsake his direction and to accomplish one, one's own agenda. And then maybe hearing about how bad your decision is going to affect you and yet still refusing and still rejecting. 
It reminds me of Proverbs 15, 20, 15, 32, excuse me, where it says, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth, not, getteth understanding. Again, we've all been there where we've had some point or some decision. I'm thinking about being told how to do a project for school. I was growing up and my mom or dad would say, here's how you should do this project. Do it this way. And I'd think, no, 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 I've got this. I can do it my way. And I'd go and I'd complete a project from school only to fail it. And mom and dad say, don't you wish you would have listened to us? Then you wouldn't have failed. Of course, I'm experiencing that as a dad now (laughs) with our kids. No, 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 dad, I've got this. And they're here. You know what they do sometimes? No, no, I've got this. I can do it. Well, all right, you do that. Only to have a few hours later, dad, I shouldn't have done it that way. Here's the children of Israel, rejecting, resisting, not hearing that reproof, that rebuke. And it may be sad to see someone live this out, you know, with school or work or something like that, but even how more sad it is to see this play out spiritually in someone's life. How sad it is to see someone who knows where their decision is going to take them, and yet they still choose that decision. How sad it is to see a spouse be so set upon getting what they want that they refuse the instruction of God and the instruction of others saying, hey, don't do that. Don't make that choice. Don't go that direction. And yet uh, I've had even people in my office say, I don't care what God wants. I'm going to do what I want to do. Man, what a devastating place to be. Devastating place to be to see a young person who knows where they're, uh, knows the direction they should be going, and yet they choose what they want, and they think that they'll be the exception to the rule. Well, that won't happen in my life. Can I tell you, there are no exceptions to this rule. When you and I reject the leadership of God, and the rebuke of God is, hey, don't do that, God is never wrong. How many times do we Do we maybe sense the Lord in our life saying, hey, don't go there, don't do that. You know that's not gonna be the right decision and yet we refuse it, we reject it. I see this morning the rejection, them turning away from the Lord. I see the rebuke, God saying, hey, this is gonna take you to a place that you do not wanna be. But notice lastly, if you would with me, the result. The result. While the long-term result is not given to us here in the passage, here we just simply read verse number 22. It just said, the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice, make them a king. And Samuel uh, said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man into his city. That's, that's all we see right here. But if you know anything about the future of Israel from here on out, you will know that they would, they would have a few good kings, but the majority of their kings would lead the people in a horrific way. Over the long haul, the result would actually be exactly what the Lord had said. And in the end, every consequence that had been, had been listed actually came true. You can go and do the research. The people of Israel, they would go for decades and, and decades crying out to the Lord because of their leadership. 
Just go read the books of Chronicles or Kings and you'll discover that king after king after king led the people further and further away from the Lord to the point where the people just cried out to the Lord. They didn't turn back to God. They just cried out in complaint to God. There were kings that led the people into captivity. Some kings joined affinity with the enemies of God and it cost them their families uh, in service to wicked kings. Some led in such selfish ways that it caused life in war. Some lived so lavishly that it cost the people fortunes and they lost their lands and their crops. And all of the warnings from God, every single one of them came true. They rejected the Lord. And even though they were warned about it, they still made this choice. And in the end, it came back to be a result that they never wanted. I tell you this morning that when you and I reject the leading of the Lord in our lives, it never turns out well. Oh, God might not come to you and say, hey, if you do this, then this is going to happen with some direct connection. But we can know based upon the word of God that when we resist and reject the leadership of the Lord in our life, it always messes things up. When you and I reject his leading, we mess things up and the result is never what we thought or intended and we are never the exception. Well, it won't be like that for me. Yes, it will. In the end, we will know. We will know, man, I made a mistake. And the truth is, you know what? After we make our own decision to lead our own life, there may be some small glimpses of happiness. There might even be some small pleasures along the way. But at the end of the day, we'll look back and we'll realize that we missed out on the life that could have been if we would have not rejected the leadership of the Lord. See, for the child of God, when you and I, if we know Christ is our Savior, if we reject the leadership of God, we're not going to lose our salvation. We're not going to lose our eternal life in heaven. We don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe the Bible teaches that once we receive Christ, man, we were always saved. We always have that. But what we do is we hurt the relation, we hurt the fellowship. And now when we resist that leadership of the Lord and choose our own direction, God, as a loving father, has to allow discipline and consequences in our life. But here's the good news. As long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as you are still alive, we can choose to turn to him. You see, the children of Israel, one of the differences between them and between uh, many people that we read maybe in other places of Scripture, and they understood this, But the Bible says that they would cry out to the Lord. Many times when they cried out to God, they didn't repent and turn from their sin. They knew they were going the wrong way, and it was almost like they were saying, we don't care. We just want you to help us out of this situation. We're going to not follow you anyway. You know what God looks for? God says, hey, I want you to turn back to me. And as long as there is breath in your lungs, you and I have opportunity to turn back to him. We have opportunity, like that first song said, to turn our eyes, to turn our focus back to him. If you and I go and do some research with the people of Israel, we discover that every single time that they repented and turned back to the Lord, God let them. He would pick them right back up and begin to lead them. Man, what a gracious God we serve. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't give up on you? Aren't you thankful that God doesn't say, that was one too many times, I'm done with you? Man, I'm so thankful that God says, hey, just turn back to me. Turn back to me and as a loving father, 
He's standing with open arms, ready to embrace and bring his child back into that fellowship and that relationship with us. But for the children of Israel and for us, when we rejected, when they rejected him, it never ended well. I know you can relate with this. Have you ever been sent to look for something in a room? And maybe it's, maybe you men, it's your wife sends you in there. When you were a kid, your mom would say, hey, would you go in the kitchen and just right on the counter, right on the counter is my glasses. And you say, okay, I'll do that. And I remember I'd get up and I'd go in the kitchen and I'd look everywhere. I'd look everywhere, all over the entire kitchen. I'd look in the counters or on the counters. I'd look in the, in the drawers. I'd look in the cabinets. I would look everywhere. Only to walk back in the living room and say, Mom, I could not find your glasses. They were nowhere to be found. She said, did you look, did you look good? I said, yeah, I looked. Well, all right, come on. She'd walk in there and it's like they magically appeared. Like right where they were. Like right where she said they were. There was right there on the countertop was her glasses. I'm like, no, no, dad put these in here when I walk back over there. Now it's with my wife. Honey, would you go in there? And she tells me to go get something and pretty soon I can't find it. And she goes, it's right there. You know, it's your mom or your spouse, your friend would say, it's right in front of your face. But you missed it. I just tell you this morning, don't miss what's staring you right in the face. As we look at this passage, don't miss what's staring us in the face. Well, what's staring us in the face? It's this truth. When we reject the leadership of the Lord in one area of our life or another, it doesn't end well. It never works out. Instead, what should we do? Well, rather than rejecting his leadership, we should desire and receive the leadership of the Lord in every aspect of our life. Desire to seek him through his word. Ask him through prayer every day to lead and to direct our choices. And you may be watching this and say, well, I don't know what, it, what does it really mean to seek the Lord? Well, the truth is that God, he has given us clear instruction. God has given us clear instruction for every area of our life. It's in his word. His word talks about friendship. His word talks about relationships. God's word talks about finances. His word talks about how I should use my time. God's word talks about investments and investing, stewarding my time and my life. God's word literally, it talks about how to raise kids. It talks about every aspect of life. Well, what is that? That's God trying to lead us. But here's what we do sometimes. We say, God, I've got that. God, I've got this. Hey, let's not miss it today. Instead, let's make the decision that we're going to seek him. He has given us his leadership in his love letter to us. If we'd simply pick it up and begin to seek him, man, God can direct our steps in such an amazing, life-changing way. So to seek him, it really just means I look for how he would have me to respond or the decision that he would have me to make with every aspect of my life. But for some of you today, you don't know that you have the leading of the Lord in your life because you may not know if you have the Lord in your life. And so I wanna ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? Do you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven? You see, the truth is that God does love you and he desires to be in your life 
not just as a savior, but as a friend and as a leader. And maybe today you have never put your faith and your trust in Jesus. I wanna tell you this morning that you today could make the decision to put your faith and trust in him, knowing that you've sinned against him, but that he died upon the cross, was buried and rose again to prove to you that he is God. And the scripture says all that we have to do is to put our faith and our trust in him to call out with our mouth what we believe in our heart. That's simply asking him with our mouth to be our savior, admitting that we know we've sinned. God, I know I've sinned against you and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and to be my savior. That's how we get a relationship with God and that is when God begins to work in our life to lead us closer to him. For those of you who do know the Lord, will you choose today Choose today that this week I'm gonna seek him in his direction. This week I'm gonna look at the situations I'm facing and I'm gonna say, what does God have to say about that? I'm gonna find out what the Lord says about my marriage for this week. Just begin seeking the leadership of, his, of, of the Lord and not rejecting the decisions that he would have you to make. I wanna tell you this morning real quick that maybe you're here and you're watching and you might say, well, There are some areas of my life that I wonder what God says. Reach out to us. Let us help you. Well, what does God say about raising kids? We'd love to point you to some places in scripture and to help you learn God's leadership in your life. But every single one of us, I just wanna encourage us with the challenge today. God, help me. Help me to not reject your leading in my life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.